Good day and welcome to the RegTech Showdown and our recruitment startup series with Louise Triance. Today we are joined by James Osborne, Alan Clark and Angela Cripps, where we chat about the eight top tips for recruitment startups and getting your business off the ground. Welcome to this week's recruitment startup series. Um, I'm Louise Trine from UK Recruiter. Um, we're live on Crowdcast, we're live on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. So if you're watching this on any of the channels, say hi in the chat box or the sidebar. If you've got any questions, we're really happy to try and answer them in this show. Um, this is a series I'm doing every week. Um, last week we did our first show, which was um, with two experts. I've got three more today. I'm going to let them introduce themselves in a minute. We've got some tips we're going to try to get through today. If, like I said, anyone wants to chip in at any point with questions, we'll definitely try to cover them. Um, so we have um, Alan and Angela together and James. James, do you want to quickly introduce yourself first? Yeah, sure. So I'm James Osborne. I'm the chairman of the Recruitment Network and founder of TRN World. Um, I've been in the industry for about 25 years. Uh, I cut my teeth in the Australian market as a, in uh, running a couple of recruitment organisations over there. And for the last 15, 16 years, acting as an advisor, mentor and marketing director to recruitment companies in the UK. Super. Um, and I am happy to be involved with the Recruitment Network and we'll probably touch on some of the things you're doing a bit later in the show. Um, over to you, Angela. So I'm Angela Cripps, and this is Alan Clark. And oh, together, we're doing a -hander. <laughs> together we're Alas Cripps and Clark. So we're actually doing some videoing today for recruitment videos. Both of us have been trainers for nearly 30 years in the recruitment industry, and we get together once a month to put some videos together to put out into the world to help people to be best practice in what they do. Okay, cool. And I'll share links to the Recruitment Network and to the work that you guys are doing as well. Oh, by the way, I'm going to be blogging this show. So if anybody's watching it live and is and worried they're going to miss some of the topics, you can watch it here again or on our blog, and I will share a list of the things that we're going to cover. So um, I want to get straight into it. We've got um, top tips for recruiters starting up. Now, this could be people who have recruitment experience and are then going to go to loan or people who have good industry knowledge and want to become a recruiter. And essentially, we're thinking people who are in the first period up until about 18 months in. So not all of these will be relevant at every stage, but hopefully we're giving um, a good grounding. So the first thing we were going to talk about was this getting this strategic direction right. James, do you want to just share a little bit of your thoughts on this and then we'll come to Alan and Angela. Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, having a very clear strategy of where you're trying to get to is, is business critical. I think your focus should be in the first instance on creating a three year strategy, top level. Um, so what markets you're going to go after and why? Um, are they growth markets and growth opportunities? What's your unique proposition that you're going to take to those markets? Um, are you taking a product mix and a product suite to those markets that are going to make you sticky, that are scalable and those types of things? So once you've identified that, you then focus on the next 12 months. So what are your 12-month objectives and then most importantly you then break your business down into 90-day sprints and you just focus on delivering those 90-day sprints every quarter and that's what you stay focused on but key to focus on where you're trying to get to and make sure it is something that is sustainable and scalable i think a lot of businesses their strategy is a little bit like we've always done this so we'll do more of the same it doesn't necessarily mean that tomorrow's market is going to be the same as yesterday's market and i think we need to be very clear on that 
Okay, and I think that that, that sounds so straightforward. You've you've articulated <clears throat> that so clearly, but it also sounds like an incredibly large amount of work. Um, and I guess that Angela and Alan would agree that we speak to recruiters who say, "I can do this. I can recruit. I'm going to go alone." Angela and Alan, how would you suggest they actually start to break that down? Where's your starting point with this? Well, I think what's important is to think about your business as to exactly as James has said, where do you want to be? Where do you want to go? What do you want the business to look at? Because actually a business where you've got maybe you and a couple of people that you brought with you, you know, everyone, everyone works together very well. The communication is great is a very different business to maybe the three years time when actually it's 10, 15, 20, 25 people and people that you've brought into the business that you don't know that well. So for me, it's about making sure when you start, you think about what you want that business to be. And it might be you want to keep it with one, two people. And that mm. is the plan. And that's fine as well. Obviously, you decide what you want out of it. But if it is going to grow and it is going to be scalable, then the processes and the way that you actually work. So that strategy is key to get clear before you even start. So put that into your business plan. Think about what you're going to do and how you're going to do it before you start, because otherwise you'll get halfway through. It suddenly gets to six, 10 people and it becomes a bit of a monster. Um, I think we're going to share the, the blog post I wrote on this because it's very different. And all of a sudden it's hard to maintain what you've been doing and it becomes very hard work and very stressful. And it doesn't have to be. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. I think sustainability and scalability, you've got to decide upon, yeah, how many people, where's your marketplace that you want to work? You know, are you going to go niche? Are you going to go inch wide, wild, uh, was it? Inch wide, inch wild, wide deep. There you go, that one. Yeah. Um, but also think about, yes, yes, you've left the mothership, if you like, and you've gone off on this new venture to sort of do something on your own. But where is the future of the market? Where is the labor movement? Where is the likely uh, skills challenges and, and skills gaps going to be? And what we need to be identifying is speaking to the clients and the candidates and being strategic with them, asking them about their future plans, rather than just going out and setting up on your own and being reactive, actually having a strategy and a plan to preempt some of those market moves. That way you'll truly be classed as an SME, not just a small to medium-sized enterprise, but somebody who can be a tour de force and somebody who is a subject matter expert. Okay, so this piece that you do around strategic direction, James, how long would you envisage someone spending on this? Is this an evening thinking about it? Is it two weeks? Well, I don't think you would be setting up a business if you didn't have an idea roughly what your strategy was going to be anyway, your direction was going to be. So um, taking quality time out before you get into it is, is critical. Uh, things to remember, as soon as you run a business, whether you're on your own, whether you've got three or four people around you, you now become time short. Your biggest barrier as you grow a business and any business, whatever size you're trying to get to, is resource and capacity. Um, so the time you take out before you launch to make sure that what you're launching is in the right direction is absolutely business critical so you can't spend too long on this um but obviously at the same time you don't want to hold yourself back from making that decision to take the leap so to me taking a couple of days out building a proper strategy getting it sense checked by other people uh, not just maybe you know, the people who think in the same way as you look at people who have got different thinking you know look at the rebel ideas concepts that matthew syed talks about challenge what you're doing and make sure that you've got something that gives you the ability to grow and i think angela's point is absolutely right you know you don't have to growth is not about building a business of 400 consultants that you want to exit in three years time you need to be very clear for yourself what your own per personal purpose and motivations are 
And if you want to build a business that is just you and a couple of people around you and you're comfortable and it gives you a lifestyle, that's very, very respectable and definitely worthwhile going for. I think that sometimes there's too much pressure on people to try and build something that potentially going to exit. Yeah. which will probably never happen anyway um and it necessarily does it pushes them in a direction they just don't want to go in okay no i love that and actually this comes on to i think your next point alan tip number two is around right at the start knowing who's in your business from the start and what your roles are so do you want to just talk a little bit about this yeah it's, it's basically about sort out your job functions not necessarily your job titles mm -hmm. uh, you know we often get people that, as I've already said, they break away from the mothership and they have this dream of going out and going out on their own, or it's one or two people or three people. And then there is that thrill of the chase of coming up with a company name, you know, let's put our initials together or names together, how bizarre. Um, but then you've also got the excitement of, right, now let's go onto company's house and who's gonna be the CEO? Who's gonna be the MD? And I think we need to put the egos to one side and just talk about, well, what's gonna be your job functions below that? Because if there's only two or three of you in the business, job titles don't really matter. And and I worked with two business owners a number of years back, and you know we were in a room talking about the direction of the company, and the pair of them were just looking at mother, one another, saying, "Yeah, but I do that," <laughs> and the other one was saying, "Yeah, but I thought I was doing that." And there was a lot of confusion with the two owners of the business. So you can imagine the confusion that there was with the staff, the minimal staff that they had at the time. So. It sounds a little bit sort of classroom-esque going back and looking at what I asked them to do, but I separated them and I sent them off into two different rooms with two sheets of paper. And I said, right, I want you to write on there what your job function here is going to be that's going to be business critical and it's going to help the business to succeed. And on the other sheet of paper, write down what your partner's job role is going to be and what their strengths are and what they're going to do to help the business to succeed. And after about 20 minutes, we got back together and admittedly, there was some overlap, but as a result of that meeting, they defined their positions with absolute clarity, which meant that the staff that they had at the time, they weren't playing one owner off against the other to wait and see what answer they were going to get that was the best one. But they had absolute clarity. So it's just a question of, look, your job role is going to evolve, your job function is going to evolve, the more hires you make. So, But don't worry about the titles so much at the start. That, that was really the point that I wanted to make. Okay, and I think I'm we, an MD after all. I mean, yeah, go figure. <laughs> I think we do see that. And James, I know that you've got some sort of businesses who are growing within the recruitment network, and I'm guessing you're seeing that a little bit yourself, are you? Yeah, I, th I think it's it's the, it's the classic transition. If you look at any growing recruitment business, they go through stages of growth, and they're fairly well defined. So you've got the startup stage, which is getting you and one or two people around you hanging out together in a small little uh, room probably your bedroom or your garage somewhere type scenario or we work and then you're working together to just try and take it to the next stage um, <laughs> and, and then from there you then try and grow up a little bit and you try and punch through to sort of eight to ten people then from ten is a massive leap to get into into the 20s and 30s everything changes you need different structures and everything else so you know what's critical is that early transition from being a hands-on biller, working the desk, bringing the cash in, all the stuff that you need to do, um, but at the same time separating yourself so you can work on the business. So, a really, a two two things I always say to startups in particular is 
whenever you set up a brand new business, the first thing to do is almost try and create an intranet. It's like a ridiculous thing to suggest, especially if you're on your own, but it forces you to compartmentalize all the departments that you need to have in a growing business. I need an IT department, I need an HR department, I need a legal department, et cetera. So it just allows you to think in those areas, even though they're not departments, it just ensures that they, you don't lose sight and focus on the things that you're gonna to need to have in place to, to build a business. And then the second thing I say to people is if you're gonna build a business, wherever you possibly can, try and make it a business that if you could you would franchise in the future i'm not suggesting at all that you should franchise your business um but if you had a business that was franchisable in essence it means it's something that can be picked up and scaled and multiplied which means it is a very efficient productive and, and um and profit potentially a profitable business as well so so that's they're, they're the sort of two key things to think about one point i will say actually and and, and uh, it's something that you touched on the idea of you know when you set up your business to come up with your brand name we spent hours and hours discussing what a brand name could be it's a massive ego stroking exercise wherever you possibly can try and avoid having your name above the door of your business because as you grow the business is all about you and not about the the people of the business itself um but you know great entrepreneurs in recruitment spend less time thinking about what their business card should look like what their website should look like you know what their brand name is and more about driving growth strategy sustainability all that sort of good stuff that, that, that creates a, a proper basis to build upon um, James, you've answered two questions I've already had in the um, chat there. So one person who said to me, um, you know, I'm only, I'm, it's only me at the moment. Should I plot out all the roles which are needed to be done, which is what you're talking about, the Internet? And the other thing was, how long should I spend on choosing my company name? Um, <laughs> so cash is king. And I guess that's almost obvious. Angela, tell us about this. <laughs> so I think. Alan, you're going to talk about cash is king. Look, it is a cliche, cash is king. You know, we've heard it many times before. And and I often liken it, and sorry for anybody that doesn't watch the likes of Grand Designs and George Clark, but there are some people that go in to do house development, building a new house, house renovation, and you get the presenter that says to them, so what's your budget for this? And then the presenter is trying to hide the look on their face that is saying, where on earth did you get that budget from? Because they've got this dream that they want to create this fantastic home, uh, a bit like a recruiter wanted to create this dream of a fantastic, scalable, brilliant recruitment business, but then on a shoestring. And, you know, and people, they don't do enough research beforehand. They don't speak to somebody that's done it before. They don't uh, look at uh, other people that have succeeded and failed. They don't do, they don't ask the right questions. Um, and what happens is they then don't build in a contingency. And then the money runs out because during the build, they get distracted by all these shiny things that they, they think they need in the home and they don't. And then the presenter says, well, how could you forget that it was a grade two listed building? And why did you spend two and a half grand on taps? They're taps. <laughs> so, and I think Matt touched upon this uh, in the last podcast yeah. that you did, where he was talking about, you don't need to buy all the bells and whistles. You don't need mm -hmm. to go for the 12 two-year contracts. And look, I know it's obvious that you've got to think about Where's my cash going to go in my initial year? Yes, you've got the salaries, you've got the commission, you've got your office costs and rent costs. But then I had to make a list because this isn't an exhaustive list. But things like 
user licenses, subscriptions, uh, LinkedIn, job boards, marketing, IT, websites, support functions, internal, external, right the way down to your advertising, marketing budget, getting even smaller now, furniture, travel, accommodation, fruit, uh, beer, tea, coffee, champagne, incentives, the sofa in reception, the picture on the wall, uh, training. But there are so many things that can take us, you know, away from what we should be investing and spending our money on. So, you know, whatever money you come up with, whatever budget you have to grow your business, remember that in the initial stages, everything is a cost center. Everything is going out. You've got to have some contingency. You've got to create yourself a war chest. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, James? Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, and there's a load of things to think about here. The, the, a couple of sort of things to make sure you get right from the beginning. Um, in any business, turnover, uh, GP, all that stuff is, is completely irrelevant. It's all about yield and profitability. So um, I don't care how much, how many millions of pounds you're turning over. If your profitability is not there, it's completely irrelevant. So focus, focus, focus on what profit is, how profit is created, um, how you're creating yield and so on and so forth. So that's really, really important. Um, the second thing I would say is um, with regards to cash, you should certainly build up a reserve of cash before you try and grow anything. Um, I generally say to people that if you're going to build a business, then you want to build um, in blocks. So rather than trying to recruit your first hire when you've got just enough cash to recruit your first hire, build up enough reserve to be able to recruit two or three people mm -hmm. uh, and board them at the same time, get them to work together at the same time. It's a lot more, lot more effective. It works far better and so on and so forth. So you have to delay and wait till you've got that cash reserve and then do that. Uh, generally, a typical cash reserve, it tends to be about three months worth of costs, salary and overhead costs. So that's what you need to have in the bank as a minimum. If you've got much more than that in the business, you're probably being too risky and, and therefore you're not investing it as quickly as you can. So that will stifle your growth. So if you've got the money in the bank and you want to go for it and be an entrepreneur, then go for it. Um, but make sure you've got enough in there for a three-month reserve um, more than anything else. Okay. So I think there's a, there's a number of things there. The only last thing I would say is, you know, and this is two points, I suppose, before you buy Alan's fruit and sofas and all that type of stuff, it, you, you, honestly, you sh when you set up a recruitment business, you should not need to spend a penny for, at the beginning until you are uh, building um, clients and, and um, generating revenue from clients. Recruitment has always been about a telephone um, and your network. You don't need anything else at all to do recruitment. And if you are reliant on too many other things, bowls of fruit, certain technology, etc., at the beginning, it means you haven't got a sustainable business in the first place. So build, uh, just go out there. Don't spend a penny. Build up what you need to do. As you start needing things, outsource wherever you possibly can. Um, so if you want to do marketing, outsource your marketing. You want to do training, talk to these guys. Um, if you want to do uh, finance, outsource your finance. Get it off your desk. Focus on what you should be doing, which is just billing and generating cash right at the beginning. Okay. And that is um, actually one of the things, one of the reasons I wanted to do these shows is that if you are going to outsource that, you need to know what you should be thinking about when you're outsourcing some of these things. So I've got a show about um, social media and marketing um, and um, working with somebody around um, the finance part of it so that you know what decisions you've got to make. Um, there's a question in the sidebar, Angela, which I'd quite like you to cover, but I don't know if you can read it. Can you see it? I can, yeah. So this is from Louise. It's um, the, uh, Louis. So I'll Louis, be sorry, Louis. Okay. <laughs> that 
I'll read the question, Angela, and if you're okay to answer it. So, um, yeah. it's a difficult place at the moment. Uh, the company was set up in 2017 with two of the directors, a team of seven, and then decided to go their separate ways. So now Louis is the sole director working from the spare bedroom, finding it very difficult, being a culture shop. I feel like we're doing a grill Graham when I'm reading yeah. <laughs> um, Any advice regarding re-strategizing? Where do we get? So I think we're back to our first point, which is what do you want the business to be, Louis? Because it sounds like you actually really enjoyed the working with other people and, and being in the office. So if that's where you want to get back to, then that needs to be the starting point as to your vision. Uh, and whether that's in a year or two years, you've talked about your wife maybe joining you. So if it brings you down working in your bedroom, I work from home myself. I don't I don't have an office but I love it. I know other people that really struggle with that and need that interaction with other people. So it's about where you where you're going to place your strengths, what's going to be right for you. And once you've decided on that, you can now put the plan into action as to how you're going to get there and what you're going to do. But you've been there, you've done it. So you've learned lots of lessons as you've gone along. So think back on those. What were the successes? What worked well for you? What are you good at? So it's a good old SWOT analysis, really, on yourself. The fact that you've been there, review that, look at the SWOT, and then, of course, you've got to get the pestle in there as well because there's so much going on in the world. What's going to impact and what's going to be different from those last three years um, in relation to your own business? And set yourself some, some mini victories so that you can see that you are getting closer. So, yes, get maybe your three-year plan if, if you're ready to do that but definitely a detailed one-year plan and then break it down into those quarters, 90-day uh, sprints, as, as James called them, and then break them down into months. So every month you're achieving something that's towards your long-term plan to make sure that you know you're on track and give yourself some some little, um, not, well, incentives in some way. It doesn't even have to be money-related. It doesn't have to cost anything, but things that you know that mean, yeah, I've done it, I've achieved it, next, next, what's next? Keep moving keep yourself motivated yeah i mean i mean one, one thing i'll add to that if, if i may is that uh, and this is probably a bit of a harsh truth but i say this to a lot of people is you know building a business any business is hard work you you go through ups and downs we all make failures we all have mistakes we all have things that go wrong with things that go right especially in recruitment we're dealing with so many people that yeah. all sorts of things that go wrong so um the, the the sign of a great entrepreneur a great um business leader i think is somebody who has the ability, ability to very quickly when things go wrong or things change direction you stop you let go you get a blank canvas out and you go again and i think you know the more you dwell on how it's different from it was before doesn't matter you just got to move forward now and it's a bit of a harsh reality but i say this to myself a lot as much as anyone else that we all get things wrong every single day um but you just keep moving forward and something then tips in your favor and hopefully when all the things tip in your favor it all, it all turns something quite wonderful so um really let go get a blank canvas out rebuild re-strategize and then just get on with it and start again Okay, and there's one thing which came out of last week's show was around that support network and mentors and, and um, people like that who can support you. And I think there's sometimes when you're feeling a bit down about something, I absolutely agree, James, pull your socks up and get back on with it. But finding a mentor, and, and um, on last week's show, Matt Gallivan, who I'll put a link to in the sidebar, said he's absolutely happy to speak with anybody. And he's a recruitment business owner. He's not selling anything. Um, so if you want someone who's a peer, to mentor you, he's happy to have an initial, an initial chat. And like I said, I'm going to share the details of James, Andrew, and Alan. So just pop, pop all of them a note on LinkedIn. Um, I think we can all manage to spare 
five minutes um, with, with people. That's why we're doing these shows. Definitely. Yeah. all the time. Exactly. All right. So uh, the next item, so I want to keep going, we've only got probably another um, 10 minutes, is um, culture. Who's doing this one? I'm sure it's you. Uh, probably yes. This is this is one of my passions, really. Um, so even if it, if it's you, just to start with, still spend some time and think about the culture that you want your business to be. Think about your own attributes. Think about your own values. So whether it's to um, I do a personal values assessment of thirty different personal values with companies. So start with the with the directors. Start with the people running the business. They're going to be key to you to help you to create your company values. But this is about personal. This is about what motivates you. So that might help Louis as well. I'm quite happy to send that document to you, Louis, so you can actually start with that. Do it with your wife as well. And then it's about creating as you grow people that fit with those personal values. They can be totally different personalities. Yeah, it might not be that you you gel really well in that way, but you need to have people that have the same values as you, that are willing to go with you and can see what you're trying to achieve. And it means something to them as well. So that when you are actually incentivizing and you're growing and you're doing things, it's things that they that, that make them motivated. And therefore, they like to go, because it's quite easy to do things that go against people's values. So I'm, the ones I've been doing the last three, four years, um, health and well-being is, is is right at the top there, whereas it didn't used to be. And also family and the family element is critical to get right, because if you are doing all these incentives where you're taking the individuals away to Vegas for five days, how wonderful. But actually, if family is their top value and you're taking them away from their family and the time they spend, they feel guilty enough working all the hours they do anyway. So now take them away. They feel even worse. So it's about understanding what they are and creating that culture that fits with who you are. That means you can move forward. We've all been there where we've been into a company and the culture really doesn't sit well with us. It's not something that we feel comfortable with. And it's the same when you get a mentor. There's so many different networking groups. So obviously the, the recruitment network I love, but you've got lots of opportunities for different ones. And they do have different cultures. We're all thinking of one now, aren't we? Um, and therefore, get the one that fits with you. There's no right or wrong. I don't know why people have to knock all these different networks. It's like they're all there for everyone to support everyone. Pick the one that fits best with you and, and the one that works for your values. And then you, you it'll be great. Get a wrong one, and it really won't work. No. Okay. Um, I've got a question in the sidebar from Beatrice. I don't know whether you want to have a go at this one, James. How do you keep your employees happy on a limited budget? <laughs> we'll no, find out. No champagne. Yeah, we'll find out what makes them happy first of all. I think the, um, you know, I think a lot of people get confused in recruitment because we're a sales industry. Then it's all about money. Um, putting cash in, a, in an envelope, whoever does the most of this, the most that wins the most cash. Um, people don't, generally that doesn't really drive the key motivations. If you watch, if you get a chance, I think that was from Beatrice. Um, Beatrice, if you look, if you Google Dan Pink, you look about his uh, science of engagement, science of motivation video, so about a 10 minute video, um, I think it's brilliant because it gives us a different insight into what we traditionally think, especially in the sales industry, where what people really want is they want purpose, they want uh, autonomy and they want to feel that they um, are being thought about and being respected I think that stuff is really really important I thank you for pulling it up um, so I think that that stuff is really really important it doesn't cost any money uh, which I think is great but we you know we spent a lot of time analyzing the motivations of recruiters and you know I can get I can put it down to one thing the one thing that recruiters want more than anything else is to feel that they are part of and play an intrinsic role 
in a growing recruitment business. Uh, they want to feel that they're moving forward and going in the right direction. That is far more important above else than, than cash than anything else. And I can promise you that the more you, the more we see it, the more that happens. So you know, make sure that you have a very clear direction, a, clear, a very clear line of sight of where you're going with the business. Make sure you are communicating daily to all the staff that you've got in your business of how you're tracking against that so you can see that you are progressing towards the goal, uh, which I think is important. Um, the one thing I will say, which is which is always a, a really challenging and interesting question, and I, I haven't got the answer yet, but I find this fascinating because we discuss it a lot at some of our uh, recruitment network meetups, is that the um, there's this whole thing around um, work-life balance. Mm. And now I'm a massive believer in work-life balance. Um, I work 24 hours, seven days a week. Those of you who know me, I don't really stop working. Uh, but I think I actually have a reasonably good work-life balance as well. So I managed to juggle everything. I, I just sacrificed sleep instead. The, um, but I think if you, if you want to create a business culture um, and motivate employees on a limited budget based on things like work-life balance, as in you people can work from home or they can do four-day weeks, that type of stuff, that is superb. Just be very, very conscious that as soon as you start doing th things like that, you start losing control of your business. Now, that's fine in essence, but as long as you have processes and structures set up to make sure you can maintain that control, because it sounds very utopian to give away that and create that sort of um, environment. Uh, but I've seen businesses suffer incredibly from a productivity point of view. And therefore, they couldn't sustain that any longer uh, purely because they weren't controlling that piece. So if you want to do nice things like that, then I think I suggest people need to earn into that and need to have a structure to make that work on that work-life balance. But I think, I think as a goal, though, I think it's a great thing, a great objective or target to go towards. Anything else for you, Angela or Alan, on that one? Yeah, just on that point, it comes right back to what James said right at the start. Is actually talk to your people and find out what they want. You know, I was asked by a sales director years ago about, oh, you know, we've got this this particular consultant used to do really well, but then, you know, plateaued and billings have dropped off. You know, can you motivate her? And I thought, well, hold on, I'm in your business for a matter of hours. And then when I spoke to him a few days later, I said, oh, you know, how's this particular consultant getting on? And he went, she's coming like a woman possessed. What did you talk about? And I said, horses. <laughs> and he said, what? I said, look, all she wanted was a little bit of extra time to get up in the morning go and muck out her horse, spend some time, go and feed it in the afternoon. And he, it, all she wanted to do then, she wanted to get a new saddle. And by the way, they're not cheap. Mm. So, you know, don't incentivize these people with going away with their colleagues to Vegas or to Marbella, because I've seen incentives disincentivize people. But find out what they really want. Time off, spend time with the family, the wife, the horse, whatever. Yeah, okay. Cool. All right, so we're at 29 minutes now. In theory, we finish at 30. I'm going to do one more item because I know it's something that, that new startups really care about, and that is about business development, candidate development strategy. James, I'm going to come to you first. I know you're quite limited for time. What are your thoughts around this within the startup? <laughs> Um, it's, it's really simple. From a BD point of view, uh, well, there's a couple of things to think about. Always, there always is. Sorry, uh, a couple of things to think about on the BD side. So, uh, BD needs to be a machine. It's not something you do as and when you get a chance to do it. It is something that turns every single day and never ever stops. Uh, number two, any social media and marketing that you do needs to be directly linked to your sales pipeline and sales funnel activity. They can't be two separate things. One's not branding. One's BD. They are both the same thing. Uh, and the third thing, which I would definitely recommend, is BD is as much about um, account penetration and maximizing the relationships that you currently have as it is about bringing in new logos as well. And I can promise you now, if you're fixated on bringing in new customers all the time and you forget about your existing customers, you will not grow a business. Okay, thank you very much. Angela, Alan. 
Uh, totally agree with that. So existing customers, lapsed customers. So if, if you're a business, I guess as a startup, you're not necessarily going to have those lapsed, are you? But uh, think, think back to old relationships where people have moved on, maybe. Um, but those potential clients, for me, with your BD, as James said, it's ongoing. It's every day. So set yourself what you think you can do every day as a minimum and make sure you do that. And then you can move on. But identify what's a good client for you work mm. out profile them what what's going to be a good company to work with what do i want from the clients that i work with so set yourself a criteria and start categorizing those clients to make sure you're working with the good ones or you're going after the ones that you do actually want as you're growing your business because we can spend so much time being busy fools working with companies that actually we never make any money out of because it's just go they, they put things on hold they don't return your calls or your emails and you end up just wasting time. Same with the candidates as well, with your strategy on that, talent pooling, looking about who you're gonna need for the future. Start building those relationships now. It's it's all about that contact. And it, yes, it's the phone, pick up the phone, but you've got social media and you've got those other elements that you can be having all those contact points all the time. Um, and you can be, be picking up with people and getting your name in front of them in some way, shape or form so that when you do speak to them, they're like, yeah, I know who you are. I know what you're about. And therefore, yeah, let's have a conversation rather than got no idea who you are. Yeah. And just on that point, business development, people often say, oh, business development, as James said, they see it as oh, something I've got to do. I've got to do it. Uh, and they see business development, sales cold calling and all of a sudden they're switched off by it and actually all I do is I just switch the words around and say well look what are you going to do to de develop your business and when you start thinking about developing the business you don't necessarily just think about sales calls because every opportunity you have to either have face-to-face -face meetings network functions candidate calls references testimonials there are so many opportunities out there to develop your business develop your brand develop your name your reputation and obviously hopefully a bit more money Okay, that's great. I appreciate that. So we're we're our thirty minute point. Um, I'm going to another show next week on different topics. So um, I want to ask you guys to summarise or to point um, listeners to anything that they ought to also be thinking about before we move off this show. So James, anything else that you really want to share? Well, I mean, I mean, there's literally hundreds of things I'd love to share. The um, we, We've got uh, a platform called TRM World, which I'm very happy for all your listeners to get free access to. That has um, a business roadmap tool and a business planning tool in there. It has some tools and ideas and video content around how to do BD and strategies around that. So I can send you a link through to that, and that goes live next week. So that will, that will be uh, available for everyone else. I'll also send you through our Sourcing Hacks ebook that we produce, which is uh, with our friends Hung and those guys. Uh, looking at some really clever ways of finding cans that other people can't find, but you know, oh, there it is! Oh, there it is! Look at that! Oh, fantastic! Always by, your, always by your bedside. But the um, I'll send I'll send out an online version of that to everybody as well. But I, I think I, I suppose the last thing I'll say to anyone who's either thinking about starting up or is in a startup process um, to uh, just absolutely go for it. I mean, it's one of the most invigorating things to do to run your own business and, and be entrepreneurial. It comes with huge sleepless nights and a lot of headaches and a lot of hard work, but the reward is just exceptional and it is wonderful. And every day I, I'm, I feel blessed that I get a chance to do this. So I think it's great. So don't hold back, 
-hmm. do get advice from people that's the whole point of why we set up the recruitment network in the first place you know share share your challenges with other people there are people out there and then louise the work that you're doing here i think is exceptional for this reason who are actually willing to help people for free and i think you know that it's, it's, a, it's a good world we live in there are people out there who are willing to do that so take it while you can get yeah. advice um, and then go for it Okay. Linking on, that yeah. would be my point yeah. that um, if you're trying to develop yourself in recruitment, literally next week, we've got the Recruitment Expo on Tuesday and Wednesday in um, Olympia. So probably the biggest event in the, in the recruiters world, 40 odd speakers and trainers. So free training, free events. I'm going to be covering um, annual business planning strategy. Uh, working with recruiting gym next week so a lot of the stuff we've been talking about here i'm going to actually be doing a presentation on next week so if you're going and you're interested then that's a key thing but have a look what's on get yourself booked in it's free but it's an opportunity to really develop yourself yeah totally um, just, just as a final point um you might be setting up on your own but as we've already said you're not alone hmm. there are people out there so for me don't be afraid to ask for help you know, you could talk to other businesses that are non-compete businesses. The chances are, you know, yes, they're working in a different vertical, different niche, but they've gone through exactly the same sort of challenges that you're going to face. So don't be afraid to ask for help. Yeah, and so on that note, the recruitment agency expo next week. If you're coming, um, me and Barry Cullen and about I know, 40 other people are doing oh. drinks on uh, Tuesday evening. Um, so that's a pub just opposite Olympia. So um, tap me up. I will tell you where it is. I'm not buying the first round. Somebody else is, but there will be drinks. Um, so thank you so much, James, Angela, and I really appreciate you giving your time. For this. Um, I'm back next week, um, and we're talking about outsourcing marketing and social media. So it's one of the things we talked about is outsourcing um, and how much money you should be investing in that at what stage of your startup. So it follows on beautifully from here. Like I said, um, this will go on my blog post. So if anybody's got any other questions they want answered, send them to me, uh, Louise Triance on LinkedIn. I'm very easy to find. So thanks again to my guests and to everyone who's been watching. We'll see you next week. Thank you. If you would like to hear more from UK Recruiter and Recruiter Zone, go to the blog section on our website ukrecruiter.co.uk